didn't we joke about doing an ocarina of time podcast at some point we're gonna get around to joking about doing all of the games and then we will get around to doing all the games are we really gonna eventually do all of them i feel like no i'm, <laughs> I'm too lazy i don't i don't want to talk about like four swords no i don't want to talk about four swords uh we basically already did the oracles yeah we, we nailed those quick i'm honestly not inclined to play twilight princess or skyward sword i don't i i almost want i i watched that compilation of cutscenes for skyward sword so now i feel like i'm good <laughs> and then twilight princess i've played twilight princess in recent memory and so i don't need to play that again i feel unqualified to do a lot of these like link to the past i feel like my opinion of link to the past is entirely superfluous yeah that's a hard one because it's so just out there these days it's really hard to look at that game by itself and not think about like everything else about that game yeah i i don't know what the angle on a wind waker game with or a wind waker podcast would be but that could be good you'd have I, to do less than 256 episodes it would I, only be 49 hey that's a reasonable goal yeah uh also i need to play wind waker again because it, it has been a long time since i played wind waker I would actually be all over Majora's Mask podcast. I pitched a Majora's Mask podcast. I said we should follow the Bomber Notebook, and you said that was silly. Oh, I don't like the Bomber Notebook idea. Okay. Or wait, do I? <laughs> no. I think I looked. I don't I, think I, I, I do. I think upon closer scrutiny, there's not every character is included in the Bomber Notebook, so it wouldn't be as good. Well, and be like you have one episode about Toilet Man. We yeah. That would wait. That would be its own episode. That would be five minutes long, and it would be perfect. Exactly. Okay. Wait. So I'm going to put in my reminders. <laughs> okay. For like, um, you know, February 9th. Uh, consider Majora podcast, and that way I don't have to like actually think about it right now. That's but I smart. won't totally forget it. Smart. 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 Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, we're talking about Zoraland today. On the hero's path. Hey, you there. said we were going to talk about the Zoras today. It's Zora Day on the hero's path. Uh, this is the Breath of the Wild podcast that we do. Yes. Yes. Now, at the end of the last episode, you said you were going to do the zora zone first and do divine beast va ruto yeah what's it called va ruta yeah specifically at the end of last episode you were telling or maybe it was off podcast but uh, i had i had posited i had put forth the idea that the game tries to nudge you towards doing va ruta first yes uh and you and i thought you were absolutely right but i wanted you to support that idea okay so i gave it some thought and i came up with uh some some ideas as to why that is true uh first off it is when you when the game gives you the quest for the divine beasts you get it from impa in kakariko and the nearest one in proximity to kakariko is the one in zoraland yes the other ones are significantly further. So if you are just, you know, 
starting off right away and just want to go get it done, you immediately go to the closest one. Right. Like the other ones, playing it for the first time, the other beasts seem impossibly far away. Mm-hmm. If you're following this kind of soft linear trek that they've laid out for you, the idea of going all the way over to that corner of the map with three black regions in the middle, you say, no, thank you. So you're right about that. Yeah. the And then following that, if you, like, if you go to Kakariko, get that quest, but then you do what I did and go to Hateno because there's stuff to do over there first, uh, and then go back to Kakariko, you get that memories quest line. and With the camera, yeah. And two of those memories are right near Kakariko, uh, one of which, like, directly overlooks the wetlands, mm. which is the little area before you get kind of into Lenny Group proper. So, again, right. kind of quests, some of these main quests sending you in that direction. Okay. Uh, the wetlands also, if you end up out there, has a bunch of, like, out-in-the-open shrines. Yes. Um, very visible. And so, again, they're, they're littering the landscape with little breadcrumbs to get you out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once you get out into the wetlands, uh, we'll talk about them a little more coming up, but there are at least like four Zora NPCs hanging out in the wetlands who immediately direct you to Zora land itself. Yes. And I was remembering it as being very direct Mm -hmm. and wondering if that was like, if my memory was for real or not. So the fact that it's borne out for you. That is so wild because like the other things you mentioned, they do contribute to a sense of funneling you toward uh, the Zora area. The it's, it's hard to say. I can definitely believe that these are all intentional, right? Like the idea of having a bunch of shrines out in the open, that's something that they, that might've been an accident, but it could just as easily have been part of a plan. Um, But like no other quest has a bunch of people telling you walk this way to the quest. Yeah. That's uh as far as I remember, this is the only one of these areas that is so direct about trying to mm-hmm. funnel trying to have NPCs that are telling you to go to there. And they they stop you get cutscenes. They stop the action. Yeah. They yank you out of the exploration mode there i mean i act like there's no uh npcs in other regions who say gosh we've got a quest around here that needs to be done but those are all like people that you choose to talk to totally and here it's cutscenes. it's really really direct yeah so i think all those reasons give weight to my idea that yeah this is the one they want you to go to first yes uh and so i did that after all the other things I did in the other episodes, obviously, but... So, I went to the Lanayru Wetlands first, which is this real cool place. It's this cool Swamp Town ruins thing. Mm-hmm. Where, where, where are my list? My list of highlights. Highlights include the Gopanga Village Ruins. There's this cool Lizalfo space. Yes. That's all up on, like, stilts. Suspended above yeah. the water. Yeah. 
I don't think there's too many bases like this in the game. That are this complicated? No. Like, I don't even know. It is cool that, like, Lizalfos have a specific architectural style. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, uh, Is there... I don't even remember them reusing, like, these art assets all that much. I think it shows... I think they get reused in the ocean to the south. That's the only other place that was coming to mind for me, yeah. is like... So, like they have this whole other base style that hardly gets used and here it's used extensively and it's a really cool base it's very good and like it's very good in its function as a mini dungeon on your way to the next thing Mm. that's the other thing is they did a very good job of making like a linear zelda game leading you up to uh the divine beast here well yeah we're gonna get into that more uh in the next section especially this is like the first step on that journey though right yeah you could if you came this direction yeah Uh, which we'll we'll talk about because once we get into the actual zora river itself it's there's a lot of parallels between well zora river and other zelda games well okay we'll get we'll get there then what is the next thing that you did uh oh i needed to stop and ask you so all these names again we got place names and stuff all the place names for these little islands in the swamp are these all phantom hourglass stuff like murkay island and linebeck island linebeck is a uh linebeck's the guy the guy uh murkay is not ringing any bells but like it's been a while since i played phantom hourglass i don't remember all the you're names. supposed to be our podcast's phantom hourglass expert I am the Phantom Hourglass expert. I know more about Phantom Hourglass than anyone else on this podcast. That's that is certifiable. Regardless, okay. Oh, uh, I fought a guardian. Ooh. Who was kind of just off on the water by himself? I fought. Oh, and I fought. I finally ran into a regular Hinox, not one of the more advanced Hinoxes, and I was able to beat <laughs> just a regular Hinox. So that felt pretty good. Uh, I did it some shrines. Work. There's some shrines. There's a. Uh, Daku Tus Shrine in the swamp. Uh-huh. Uh, it is a shrine I'd remembered where there are a bunch of like the stone orbs that puzzle orbs uh, under a pool of water, and you have to use this big metal scoop to scoop them out of the water and put them into a receptacle. Sure. Uh with magnesis and it's it's fine it's good yeah uh i'm gonna jump ahead there was another shrine on the way right at the mouth of the the entrance to the river called what is this uh so kofi shrine which was just a minor test of strength okay can't go wrong with that minor you you got tested and i passed nice uh okay then i did the tower so the tower is here in this is the linear tower past the wetlands at the entrance to the zora river area it basically is just kind of surrounded by a blend base yeah as best as i could describe it there wasn't any one specific gimmick or anything like that no yeah there was maybe 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 some traps just you know uh get to the top of this hill type dungeon right you had to get to the top of the hill and then climb you know nothing nothing 
super noteworthy here. I guess if we're advancing the theory that this is one of the first areas you're supposed to go to, that this tower being more orthodox also fits in with that? Oh, like the fact that it's kind of a vanilla challenge? Yeah. Not like teaching you a weird gameplay quirk? Yeah. That makes sense, yeah. Maybe, maybe. Oh, and then so at the top of this tower, it's really good. Uh, there was one of those Zoras we were talking about who uh, the Zoras in the wetlands tell you to go look for Sidon, right? Sure. And we'll, we'll meet him. We'll meet him in a second. Uh, this poor sap uh, was standing like in the tower when it was submerged. And then when Link activates all the towers and it juts into the sky, uh, he is trapped up at the top of this tower. Yes. Which is very good. <laughs> uh later on when you get to Zoro's domain, uh all the Zoros who were out looking for you are now there and the guy talks about how he was very scared but eventually jumped down into the water. <laughs> nice. And then we meet everybody's boyfriend, mm. Sidon, at the bridge at the entrance to Zora River here. Also starts raining. Ah yes. Plot point. The rain. We should talk about Sidon. Okay. He's he's the guy that everyone likes. Yeah, everyone likes him. He's a big muscular fellow and he's charismatic and he has a catchphrase which is that he smiles. <laughs> Can you call it a catchphrase if it's just an action? I would have called it something else, but I couldn't think of the right word fast enough. I don't know. There must be a phrase for that. It's a signature move. Yeah, and so he's here. Oh, so he's his physical description. He's a red Zora, but the Zora in this game are a little more. What? What's the word I'm looking for? They're a little more diverse than being just straight fish people. And so he's like a hammerhead shark. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, he's got like a hammerhead shark head. Uh, originally he was gray, and there's a bunch of concept art in the creating a champion book of like completed artwork of him being gray but what happened is they put him in game and like you know gray like a like a, like a hammerhead shark they okay. put him into the game and he did not stand out at all uh in the terrain i guess yeah to the point that they said you know what we'll go ahead and make him red like his sister <laughs> which which makes them match better and made him stand out way better so yes just a weird thing that came about in testing i guess huh uh sidon is out looking for strong looking hylians that he might recruit to help him solve their problem and i don't think he gets into exactly what the problem is right off the bat but uh so he sees you and says hey come up river we need your help mm-hmm and it seems like he's kind of trying to recruit whoever. Yes. And I think you run into humans later on who he <laughs> kind of duped into trying to help, but weren't able to assist. Yeah, there's definitely somebody I saw who was like, yeah, there's this weird Zora there asking for help, and I'm not going to go do that. So, you know, Sidon just looks into finding the exact right person to help solve his problem. <laughs> uh, and then you have to go through Zora's 
domain following Zora's River, while Sidon shows up every hundred yards to cheer you on. Sure. Again, everybody loves Sidon. (laughs) They do a good, I mean, do you think it's an accident that this beloved character is uh, established so evocatively in this basically, like, on rails part of the game. That probably lends a lot to it, that this is a much more focused uh, pre, what do I call it, a pre-Divine B segment. Mm-hmm. Whereas some of the others, maybe the characters get a less color, color a little less, like, uh, embellishment. They get, for one thing, they're less work, right? Uh, it depends on which one. We'll, we'll have to get in, we'll have to examine okay. that a little closer when we get to the other ones. Well, we can say right now that uh, navigating Zora River is kind of a slog. Can we agree that it's kind of a slog? I didn't mind it so much. It's very much, you were talking earlier about having it give you a, this is like kind of the most linear part of the mm-hmm. game so far. Uh, and I totally agree, and that tracks with how Zora River works in, like, Ocarina of Time. Sure. Where in Ocarina of Time, it's this straight path that you kind of have to follow going against the river and traversing different obstacles to get to Zora's domain, and that's exactly what's happening here. Um, there's just the added... You know, be- because we're in an open-world game, they have to try and keep you on the path through uh extra special means <laughs> and here they make it rain comes... all the time so it's impossible to climb over the hills exactly you have to follow the path you can't you, the whole like the premise of the game that you can climb all over everything climb all over everything and go wherever you want is suspended so that there can be this linear uh, it it almost feels to me like I don't know how much sense this makes, but I can okay. posit it anyway that someone designed like a linear, you know, straight like on rails, uh, ec- uh, not exploration but adventure segment uh, for this game, and then someone said, "Well, this is great, but." You understand that we're making a game where the player can climb up all the walls and go whichever direction they want. And then someone said, oh, no, I guess, uh, well, we'll make it, uh, they can't climb in this part. I I imagine it's less directly that because, you know, they had to have known what they were walking into. But the designers that worked on this game have also worked on more linear games anyways. So Mm -hmm. they probably come from a background of knowing how to make a linear level, so... With rain. I'm gonna... With rain! That's what you do! And to be fair, there are definitely ways to cheese this, even in the limited amount of me messing around here. You know, there's ways to get up cliffs, to fill around and go past where they expect you to go and stuff like that. I'll tell you the other side of my opinion, then, and why I think it's a slog. Because when I went through this the first time, I was kind of ticked that it was so linear and i said well i'm going to you know break out of these chains any way i can and i couldn't really so i would just 
keep on going along the intended path and then trying to strike out in some other direction and not being able to do it. And so that made it more of a slog for me, probably. You were trying to resist. Yeah. And and, and the game, you weren't, you did not manage to outsmart the game this time. No. I imagine that, and I did not try it this time, but I imagine you could probably come from like the north and like get up a cliff on the other side of no, I the tried linear that. area. No. No? They make it rain on all the cliffs around. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm still sure. I mean, you could come here with all assortment of... Zach, don't I'm tell sh- me that I could have done it if I were better at the game. Tell me that it's I mean, impossible. Had you not come here first, perhaps? I think... If I... you had maybe done the game in a different order... I really think that on my last playthrough, I got uh, Rivali's Gale first, yeah, and I tried to break in that way, and I'm not sure I was successful. See, that was where my head was at, but I don't actually know, because I didn't do that this way this time, because I am trying to play Orthodox. Anyway, uh, it is still fun to traverse this stuff. There's a bunch of cool segments. There's this one part of the path. There's tons of enemies, tons of enemies. There's one part of the path where there's puddles all over the path. And there are a bunch of Lizolfos camping out on little towers with shock arrows. Uh-huh. Uh, which is a delightful challenge. <laughs> I ended up with so many arrows by the end of this segment. Hokey smokes. I suppose. I'm, I must have picked up like 100 arrows in this in this whole section because there's just so much combat happening. Huh. Uh not a problem to have. Not a problem <laughs> at all. I ran into a game mechanic that I had forgotten existed. What's that? Uh, lightning. Oh. So I guess this would be the time. This would be the time to talk about this. Uh, there is weather in this game, as we've alluded to. Mm-hmm. And included in those weather's options is lightning storms. Yes. Uh, and I definitely got hit with lightning, forgetting that that was the thing that could happen. Oh my gosh. Jeez. Uh, the way that works is that if you are wearing any metal weapons or armor, you will attract lightning to you in a lightning storm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once you realize that's what happens, you very much, you very quickly get into your menu and start trying to find items that are not, uh, uh-huh. mag- <laughs> not metal. <laughs> yes. It's another one of those things, maybe one of the uh, quote-unquote worst mechanics that uh, when you have played enough to fully understand that mechanic, then it starts to be just kind of a chore of, oh, there's lightning, I'll just take off take off this thing. And you don't really have to think so much as you just go through the motions of it. That's if you've played can, the game can, way I too much, I guess. I don't know that I engage with lightning too much the first time through, so we'll see if by mm. the end I'm just like, ugh, ugh. I hate fun. Ugh. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then you take this long road. There's some good bits where Sidon will pop up, and at one point you're crossing a bridge really high up, and he's down below talking to you, and then he says, look behind you, and there's a moblin or something, and that's pretty cute. Mm. And you get all the way through, and you make it to Zora's Domain. Ah, okay. Let's talk about Zora's domain. It's uh, where the Zora live. 
it's a man. Okay, so the Zora. I'm gonna hang on. <laughs> We're gonna go all the way back, huh? We're gonna go all the way back. Zora are fish head people that pop out of the water and shoot fireballs at you in classic Zelda. An yes. L-O-Z. And they were that way up until Ocarina of Time, basically, where uh, Ocarina of Time had to flesh a lot of things out, and so they came up with all these delightful, cool little fantasy races uh, that are just generally fairly good. Yeah. They did a good good job coming up with non... I don't know. I guess fish people are a thing, but... In the process of designing Zora for Ocarina of Time, they moved away from... This more grotesque, uh, not grotesque, but like more monstrous looking. What's the what's the like Sahuagin esque with like yeah. fins on their face style fishmen? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's actually concept art when they were for Ocarina of Time with the Zora drawn in that style. Oh, interesting. Uh, that they moved away from in the course of designing that game to this more uh sleek, like tail coming out of their head yeah like smooth looking how else would you how would you describe the way the zora look i can't they, you know i they don't really correspond to uh other fantasy races do they they're very smooth and graceful yeah they're more like i think that even though they are definitely fish people they the fish that they look like the most are dolphins <laughs> Yeah, which is not as overt until this game. But yeah, it's a very evocative pick because they got just the the, the tails come out of their heads mm-hmm. and they've got fin like large graceful fins on their arms and stuff yeah. like that. And they're um, definitely like friendly looking, which is yes. a big part of it. Yeah, they're not monster race looking. Yeah. Uh so they show up in Ocarina of Time and they've got their domain there which is just a cool cave. Mm-hmm. Um and they're established there as like guardians of the source of hyrule's water they show up a couple other places they show up in twilight princess which kind of follows the same plot as them being zora's domain in a cave sort of you know at the source of hyrule's water um okay there's not too much to say there um and then they show up uh this game and this game kind of expands uh, the concept of the Zora fantasy race a little further through a couple different ways. Uh, one, you end up with a lot more different styles of fish person. Yes. Sidon is a hammerhead shark guy. Uh, his sister Mifa is a dolphin lady. Uh, their father, the king, is a big whale. Sure, sure. There's a count. There's a councilman who is like a stingray, right? Uh... I think he's like supposed to be a stingray guy. The, the, but the thing is, his eyes are actually way out on the sides, the way a hammerheads are. Okay. I agree that Sidon um, has like a hammerhead th- like thing and, on and his yeah. head. But then I I can only think of Muzu is his name, right? The advisor. Muzu is who we're talking. Yeah. He looks like an actual hammerhead shark. Um, kind and, of. And, and, and to be fair, they all have the same body shape. We're just mostly talking about the way the head is presented. Yeah. The key feature on Azora is that they have, like, the tails coming out of their head. Mm-hmm. And with Breath of the Wild, they decided to diversify the way that looks to give different, like, shapes to the way people yeah. look. 
they also played around with doing the more monster style for a while. There's some concept art of that for Breath of the Wild that they ended up not panning out, which I don't know. Now, I remember in, I guess it was Oracle of Ages, there are the cool, nice Zora that you can talk to. But there are also, do they call them River Zora or which one? Which one is the mean kind? Because there's also the, you know, LOZ monster who shoots fireballs at you. And they see, they talk about, or the Knights of Zora talk about the mean Zora, but I forget exactly what their relationship it's, is established as. Because the oracles are weird and draw on both old school Zelda and like post Ocarina Zelda, they have Ocean Zora, which are the Ocarina Zora that have like the tails in their heads. Mm-hmm. And then they have River Zora, which are the traditional monster looking zora i see and that's kind of just been the split throughout a lot of it link between worlds had uh a queen zora lady who was kind of a mid-ground which is kind of cool there are a few zora the what we forgot to mention very early on is in link to the past there's the zora boss what is yeah. it called the... i think he's king zora or something okay. i don't but like they established he, that that like at least one member of this community can talk and <laughs> yeah. negotiate with you and give you stuff, and right. so it's at that point that they're established as like a race instead of just like monsters. And yeah. so in Link Between Worlds, um, I think that I wouldn't call it a midpoint between the two. I would say that the monster style of Zora River Zora uh, design is just softened enough to make yeah. her look like someone nice. That's a better way to put it. Yeah. 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 It's cool. I like the, I like the dichotomy maybe in breath of the wild too. They'll bring back the river Zora design uh, and make me happy specifically. <laughs> that would make me happy too. Let's see. So the Zora design is updated. Zora's domain itself is given this really cool design for a city. Whereas before the design on Zora's cities has been pretty... Twilight Princess has a little bit of architecture, but this is the first time it's really this big, huge set piece. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a big fish statue on the top of it, mm-hmm. which is supposed to evoke Jabu Jabu. Sure. It's got just a lot of like stonework basically because the idea is that stone survives whereas like they can't build it out of wood or anything like that because they're fish people and the cliffs above the city are made out of this very cool kind of pearly blue stone yeah and you see that all the columns and arches in zura's domain are like carved out of that stone totally totally well they did you notice they all sleep in pools in the city I think I noticed that a long time ago. By I, now, I had I've to just read internalized it to it. see it. <laughs> but yeah, at, ni- at night, everybody just goes to sleep in a bunch of pools because they're fish. Oh, yeah, they're, they're fish. Let's see. There's that. There's that. There's that. Oh, the one other thing I wanted to talk about the way as far as the way Zora are given more background uh, is that this game establishes that they're long living. Uh, oh, yes. Compared to a Hylian. Because... Uh, Sidon, 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 fish boyfriend, was a kid a hundred years ago 
when uh, the whole bad thing happened. Yeah, and he does not remember you or recognize you. No. But there are several Zora NPCs in town that when you walk back in are oh, like, wait right. a second. Yeah. We know you. You're Link. How are you here? Why are you? What happened? What? Uh-huh. Um, it's very interesting. Uh, there's this whole backstory that Link spent time here as a kid or as a teen or whatever and has a bunch of cool Zora friends. Not all of them greet him fondly when he comes back. No. Muzu, the aforementioned, greets him unfondly. Yes. And so we get the story here with uh, Sidon and King Dorophon uh, and Councilman Muzu. Uh, oh, are a lot of these names, a lot of these names are musical names, right? Like yeah. Dorophon si, and... Do, Do, Re, Fa. And Mi, Fa. Muzu doesn't yeah. fit into that. Uh, Once you get past the kind of central figures, it kind of falls apart, but... Yeah. Um, it's... I, I think that, like, because with other... With the uh, uh, Sheikah, we found out that their names follow a pretty consistent uh, convention. You just need to kind of know the answer before it makes sense. So I yeah. wonder if the names of the Zora... Uh, if there's some key to Muzu making sense in this that we don't know about. But we'll worry about that later. I'd have to stare at a list of Zora names and we have to record a podcast right now, so I can't oh, yes. do that. Uh, okay, you meet up with these folks and right away King Dorophon and Muzu are like, oh, you're Link, you're back. And Sidon's like, oh, hey, I did a good job. Uh, and they break down what the terrible problem that they have here. Uh, so there's a reservoir here that is all of Hyrule's water uh, that the Zora kind of manage. And it is flooding because Varuta, the Zora divine beast, is out of control. Uh, presumably it had just been kind of dormant up until very recently is my guess of that. Uh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Are the, are the beasts supposed to be doing something else? I think they're just supposed to be, well, no, because they got taken over, so maybe they do just rampage periodically? Weird. Um, it's, okay, the divine beast that we'll talk about more probably next episode is just a big elephant thing that can spout infinite water out of its trunk. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just spouting water. And it is flooding the reservoir, and the reservoir is almost at capacity. This is also why it's raining. Yes. Because the the robot elephant is filling the air with water moisture. Just constant wet. Uh, and so you need to help put a stop to this before the dam breaks and all of Hyrule floods, basically. Okay. Probably not, probably not all of Hy Hyrule would flood, but... A lot of it would. Eventually, the water would go into those impassable canyons to the north and west. Ah, that's what they're there for. Their water <laughs> retention. <laughs> uh Oh, so the Zora need... They, they were searching for a Hylian, or a non-Zora specifically, because they needed to shock... They know that they... How does this work? They know enough about <laughs> the construction of the Divine Beast that they can stop it from flooding by shooting shock arrows at certain key points. 
Okay. Uh, but Zora cannot handle shock arrows because they're extremely vulnerable to electricity. Which is something we didn't know about Zora's and doesn't apply in any other context. Some I can see very convenient sense. world building happening in this specific part of the story. I, I can forgive it. I forgive it. It's sure. fine. Uh, but yeah, so they needed somebody, they needed some adventurer type to do the job. And so they're very excited, uh, to see you or Dorifon and Sidon are very excited about this, mm-hmm. but Mizu gets really mad because of Did you say reasons. Mizu? Uh, Muzu <laughs> gets mad and storms off. And so you and Sidon have to go like chase him down and talk to him. Uh, before you do that, Dorifon gives you the Zora tunic. Yes. Uh, Are we gonna get all the way into this now? Yeah. This okay. Is, yeah this is, okay. I mean, there's not there's not too much more to it. The Zora tunic is a thing that Zelda's used before, that kind of allows you to swim good or to breathe underwater. Sure. Um. And if you run up and talk to Muzu while you're wearing it. Uh, you wind up having this flashback, and then Muzu gets over it. But the whole thing with the flashback is that you were childhood friends with Mifa, the mm-hmm. Zora champion, um, which we haven't really talked about the champions too much yet, but the hundred years ago, there were four champions that were chosen to pilot the four divine beasts to help fight Calamity Ganon. Uh, Mifa is the princess, what was the princess of the Zora at the time, and she... Uh, was your childhood friend. And she was in love with Link. She was extremely in love with Link. Uh, it's very romantic. It's very cute. And so there's like a, a cutscene flashback where you kind of have a memory of you and her hanging out. And she actually constructed the tunic for Link. Right. That becomes... The fact that, that it t- fits him, Sidon has to like point out to Muzu... I'm trying to do this from memory. Sidon has to say, uh, Muzu, don't you understand? This tunic fits Link correctly because Mifa made it for him specifically because she was in love with him. Exactly. And then Muzu is like, oh. Muzu hadn't forgiven Link. Yeah. Muzu Muzu blamed Link Link for Mifa's death. I forgot that key part. And that's he's not the only one in town that does that does so. Sure. A lot of them view it as Link's fault because he should have saved her. Uh it's very tragic. Um the 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 idea that Azora giving someone a token of like a romantic gesture is interesting because that also happened in Ocarina of Time. Well, in Ocarina of Time you also had the Zora princess fall in love with the Exactly. Sora Princess is just like the hero. Yeah. Well, everyone likes the hero. The farm girl likes the hero. The much older Gerudo woman likes the hero. Yeah. What's not to like? (laughs) Wait, the the Zora Prince likes the hero? Oh, yeah. If you believe a lot of of the stuff I've read online. (laughs) Okay. um, So all this goes down and the plot all happens and you have a flashback and everybody agrees to the plan. Muzu, you needed to talk to Muzu because he had the other part of this plan that nobody else had, and that's where he knew how to where to find some shock arrows. 
Uh, nobody else knows where to find shock arrows. Uh-huh. Uh, he tells you to go up Mount Ploimus, which is this mountain here nearby, uh, where there are some shock arrows guarded by Lionel. A Lionel who just loves shooting shock arrows at things. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't? But now, what turns out is if you already had enough shock arrows... Yes? Muzu just goes, oh, oh, you've already got enough. I guess you don't actually have to go do that if you don't want to. But you still have to... Does... Do you... I thought... I I haven't done this, but my understanding... Okay. Okay. ...was that if you had enough shock arrows, then... It makes more sense to me, I guess, that Sidon would be like, oh, if you've got the shock arrows already, let's go. Don't worry about Muzu. Uh, I forget the actual order that okay. happens in. I think I had to talk to Muzu first, and then he's the one that says, oh, wait, you've got enough. Okay. And then Sidon's like, oh, okay, I'll meet you up at the top of the uh, reservoir. Okay. So, so this, he ran up there. This happened to go you ahead. on this playthrough, you mean? That This did happen to me on okay. this playthrough. Okay. And so Sidon's waiting up there, but I'm definitely going to go up Mount Plymouth first because that sounds like fun. I'm going to go meet a Lionel. Yeah, you have to do the linear railroady part of this game. I have to for this podcast. Yeah. That's most of Zoro's domain. There was one last... There's a bunch of quests that don't unlock yet because everybody hates my guts right now. <laughs> so at some point in the future, I will have to be back here to do a bunch of cool side quests for the Zora people. Sure. Uh, there is a shrine here that we should talk about before we close out. Okay. This one is Naez Yoma Shrine. Uh, do you remember the shrine? Uh, is this the one right in, like, the central one for Zora's domain that's right under the throne yeah. room, right? Yes. And it's the one with a, a slope with water running down it. Yes. And there's a ball. Yeah, and you have to get the ball down the slope and then, like, over into a receptacle without it falling off into an abyss. Mm -hmm. And I don't really understand this puzzle, I guess. Well, you are supposed to use Cryonis. Uh. And you just kind of manipulate the course of the ball so that it goes over the right ramps and uh so you don't you don't think you did it in the intended way so i'm not exactly sure what the intended way is because like you don't really have to use most of the yeah the the obstacle course here you kind of just go around everything i think this might be one of those situations where they didn't design a puzzle with an intended solution they designed a bunch of pieces, you mm. know, they threw together an interesting situation and then they say, well, whatever, you know, as long as there are a way or ways to solve this, then I guess it works. Yeah. Uh, the first way I tried to solve this was by not putting the big sphere on the ramp at all. What? I was, I, I, I got myself up on the back of like there's like a back what do you call it there's a bunch of platforms suspended above the ramp like a catwalk kind of thing like a catwalk that's the word and i got back to the very back of that and i started trying to use stasis to knock the ball oh no 
on just the catwalks because there's almost <laughs> a straight shot that you can just calmly roll it down and it should just go straight in there skipping the entire thing. But I couldn't quite get it to work right. Jeez. Huh. Uh, I was I was very close. And had I had more patience, I probably would have gone for it. But I was ready to be done. So yeah. I just instead I just did it where you kind of skip half the maze and then just calmly roll the thing in. Sure. But yeah, so that was this uh, time. Okay. I did the river. It's still raining. Uh, I think next time I need to make it stop raining so that I can see all the other cool stuff around here. Okay. How are you going to do that? First, well, first I'm going to go up Ploymus Mountain. Okay. And get a bunch of shock heroes that I don't actually need, but I want to see. Are you going to kill the Lionel? I'm going to try to kill the Lionel. We'll see how that goes. I make no promises, <laughs> but I will do my best. And then, yeah, then I think uh, I will tackle a Divine Beast. Wow. Yeah, get a quarter of the game done. <laughs> well, that, that's how that works, right? Yeah, that, yeah. That's the math? All right, the math checks out. Well, good l- luck. Yeah, I'm excited to... Should, should, how hard could it be? It could be very hard. Nah. You could die a lot of times. Nah. We should do, like, betting on how many times you die. I'm going to say zero times. I'll take that action. 